Welcome to the Bearded IT Dad Podcast, where technology meets career development. Join us as we talk with industry experts, get advice and insight about their expertise and real-world experience in the information technology field. Have to learn to learn on your own. The number one thing you can do to get out of the help desk or out of any entry-level position is be exceedingly good at your current position. The elephant in the room, right? Money is obviously a a certain barrier and roadblock, but I would charge and, and, and argue against that. There are so many resources out there available for free on the internet. From starting your IT journey to advancing your career, you'll get actionable tips and practical advice to help you succeed in this ever-evolving industry. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's dive into the world of IT. I tell everyone who wants to be a successful cloud engineer, cloud architect, you still have to know networking. You still have to know basic security. You have to know, I mean, it's all the basics. Like I tell everybody, go back, get your Linux, get your CCNA or your Network Plus, get your Security Plus. You want to go down the path of learning to prevent attacks, get your Certified Ethical Hacker. I don't care what you do. Even if you don't want to certify, go take a class in the stuff. Welcome to part two of this series where we're talking with the host of the Big Bald Azure guy. We are talking about everything cloud. Now in part one, link down in the description below, we talked about what is the cloud and how you can benefit from it. In this video, we are talking about everything you need to know when it comes to training, the different resources out there, and the skills you really need to focus on to become a successful cloud engineer. So stay tuned because we're talking about all of that after this. When you decide, hey, I want to get into the cloud, um, should you like try to focus on a certain cloud provider? And how do you decide which one to focus on? Or is there something else you recommend for people looking to start in the cloud infrastructure? Um, I have a three-step process. I call it engage, enhance, enforce. Uh, first, you're going to engage. Do your research real quick. See who you want to do. If it's Microsoft, go with Azure. If it's Amazon, go with AWS. Find a quick video about it on YouTube. Read a quick article on a Medium blog. Just Google it. I mean, I say Google, but I mean, that's what we all do nowadays. You're going to go out there and you're going to Google it and find a quick 10-minute video as to what the cloud is, what Microsoft Azure is. What it, I don't care where you start. Um, if you like that, then you're going to enhance those skills. So you're going to move on and say, you know what? I think this might be a career move for me. I'm going to look at one of the fundamentals exams that are out there. For, for Azure, it's the AZ-900, the Azure Fundamentals. You've got your uh, AWS Cloud Practitioner. And then for Google, I forget which one it's called, but they've got a very similar fundamentals one as, as well. Uh, and so to me, then you start going down the path of, and all three of them offer free training for the fundamentals. Microsoft has Microsoft Learn. AWS has their learning library. You can go on there. Uh, now, you can also go out there and purchase subscriptions to places like Pluralsight, A-Cloud Guru, Cloud Academy, INE. And, you know, they're all reasonably priced. You're going to pay, you're probably going to pay 30 to $50 a month, depending on what you want. Um, and the cool thing with those first exams is they're completely non-technical. They want you to go out there and learn what the cloud is, what certain components are used for. In Azure, you've got compute, which includes virtual machines. You've got storage accounts. You've got basic networking. What kinds of storage accounts are out there? They want you just to get an idea of what the vocabulary is, how it works, what pieces interact with other ones. But there is zero technical responsibility for any of these exams. It's just learning the lingo and how these things apply. 
And that's a great first step because mostly like the Azure one, for example, the, the first 1800 certification exam, I think they give you an hour and a half for it. It's 40 or 50 questions. I finished mine in 10 and a half minutes. I also speed read for a living. So, I mean, I can read a thousand pages a week for fun. That's how fast I read. But, um, and I got, I think an, I was max. I got a 980 out of a thousand. I missed one question probably because I went too fast or I hit skip. <clears throat> Funny story. My son was live streaming an event last night on his YouTube channel. And I logged on to help out for a little bit. And I typically go so fast. I have a tendency to hit the wrong buttons and I hit end stream while he was streaming a football game. So <laughs> always make sure. Yeah. Oh he was gosh. a little salty to say the least, but, uh, it's, uh, you got to slow down during these exams. But like I said, it's uh, once you pass your first round of fundamental exams, then it's up to you where you want to go. Um, Azure, you've got the AZ-104 administrator exam. You've got the solutions architect associate for uh, AWS and a similar one for GCP. And I recommend everybody who wants to pursue a career in cloud gets to that level at least get to the administrative level which is considered like your your junior to mid-range and then the, the the sky opens up man you want to specialize in networking you want to specialize in security devops um development there's so many different avenues that you can do i mean the, the the opportunities are endless me personally i started off as a devops guy and now i am whole hog into into security i love zero trust i love uh, multi-factor authentication and working with third-party partners on how to make security more robust at each location. And that's kind of what I do at my job now as a principal cloud architect. So, so at, at heart, I am a networking guy. I've lived networking. I, I've done networking and since high school. For those of people who are really diehard networking people, what does the cloud have to offer for them? The exact same thing you've got now as an on-prem network guy. There is no differentiation. It's simply where the hardware is located. I tell everyone who wants to be a successful cloud engineer, cloud architect, you still have to know networking. You still have to know basic security. You have to know, I mean, it's all the basics. Like I tell everybody, go back, get your Linux, get your CCNA or your Network Plus, get your Security Plus. You want to go down the path of learning to prevent attacks, get your certified ethical hacker. I don't care what you do. Even if you don't want to certify, go take a class in the stuff. Learn those skills. I mean, we all know that certifications can be expensive. Some of us happen to be very lucky where your companies will pay for 100% of the stuff. And that's great. But I've been in positions in the past where I was 100% on my own. And so you know what? You do what you can. Uh, you take advantage of free trials from companies like Plural Cider Cloud Academy when you can. You have you study nonstop for a month. Wait till the next free trial pops up again in a couple of months. Um, you don't need to be rich to do this. You don't need to be um, brilliant. You don't need to be hard-headed. You don't need... It's just having a plan. And to everybody who says, well, how does my on-prem skilling relate to the cloud? It's exactly the same. You're just doing things in a different location. You might not be there physically plugging in the switches, but you're still doing all the programming. You're still doing all the coding. You're still doing all of the actual uh, network traces. You're still doing all the, the uh, uh, what is it? Uh, is it Live Shark? No, Shark. Uh, what am I thinking about here? Uh, Wireshark. Wire Wireshark. Thank you. Just doing yeah. all the Wireshark. You're still tracing packets from beginning to end, seeing where the hangups are. Every cloud platform has its own networking troubleshooting tools already built in. It's just a matter of learning what those are. Who would have thought that Cisco would be so all in to scripting and DevNet stuff like they are now? I mean, Cisco has really taken the whole networking as code thing to heart. And you've got a whole brand new slew of certifications 
on people who can do Cisco networking as code. And so to me, you may have to add a few skills to your, to your belt to really be a, an awesome cloud network guy, but there's no reason people who have on-prem skills can't move into the cloud now with an established company, and maybe they need a, a little hand-holding for the first month or two. After that, you're going to be well on your way. There's no reason at all why you can't get skilled up rapidly based on your already current skill set. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I kind of transitions me into my next question. So people who are interested in the cloud, but already are in a profession, is it, you know, a lot of people think it's just either you work in security or you work in the cloud. Within the cloud infrastructure, is there different job roles or is it just you're, you work in the cloud? How, how does that work from your experience? It depends on the company. Like my company itself, we've got, I'm a, I'm a principal cloud architect. I specialize, my wheelhouse has been networking DevOps and security for years. Um, I've got friends who simply do DevOps. That's all they do. You will probably be hired into a certain department that only does security. So they deal with things like Azure Sentinel, or they deal with seams and sores. They deal with, uh, if they're in networking, they could be brought into an infrastructure department where they deal with building out Azure landing zones. If you're a governance person, you like doing uh, identity and access management, maybe you start looking into infrastructure as code and policy as code. Um, the, the role types are pretty much standardized. You've got engineers, admins, architects. Architects are seen as the, the cream of the crop. But there's still junior architects. There's still senior architects. There's still principal architects. I mean, there's a whole balance and rigmarole you have to go through to see. To me, titles don't mean anything. It's what you like working on. If you like what you do, it's never a bad day. I mean, yeah, you're going to have the occasional bad hour, bad day, bad week, because you've had a really troublesome client or you've had a problem with the infrastructure. Look at the Log4j exploit that came out a few months ago. How much did that set people back? They had terrible weeks getting that thing fixed. But then you can look back and say, you know, I actually learned a lot of stuff doing that. Um, and you can look back at some of those bad times and say, you know what, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, it's all what you put in, what you get out of it too. Absolutely. And you know, those, those, those situations, uh, as much as you probably hate them in the moment, they are wonderful yeah. learning opportunities and just to develop your skill sets that much further. To be honest, we're all human. We sure. all make mistakes. Stuff happens, but it's how you handle those situations and learn and develop your skills from that is really what, you know, sets you apart from everyone. Yeah. So and I think we kind of talked about this briefly, but I want to really kind of get a, a more concrete answer for those of the for those of you who are looking to start in the field you know maybe don't have almost any experience but they they want to be in the cloud where do you start like what do you do to say okay i'm making a career change i want to work in cloud it really interests me what's next so, what, what so you what kind of like first role you're talking about yeah honestly your best bet is probably help desk um it sounds I mean, those of us who've done help desk we don't always look fondly back on it, but you think about it, how much did you, I, I worked help desk for two years when I first started out. I cannot believe how much my skill set grew in those, for, and we're talking back in the NT 3.51 days, but um, how much did your skill set grow in two years? How much did it even grow in the first six months? Um, the smaller companies are great because you're going to be probably one of one or two people on staff responsible for a lot of things from printers to all the local hardware. And then also, if you're doing cloud work like Office 365 or you're using Google Workspaces, you'll be troubleshooting that kind of stuff. And then it's just a natural transition to say, okay, I'm not working just on-prem. I'm worrying about setting up a 
landing zone for my company in the cloud. So they're going to have storage accounts. I've got to worry about identity and access management. I've got to worry about permissions. I've got to worry about role-based access control. Every little thing that you do adds. Like I have a friend who was looking to come on board with us. He's right there. He's got tons of on-prem security experience, 20 years. Doesn't quite have just enough security experience to join us, but he's going through a Microsoft E5 migration for Microsoft 365 in the next six weeks. And we told him, look, man, finish the migration. You're set. You're going to be in. It's just a matter of saying, you know what? You have to have that little bit of experience. And it may not seem like much, but once you've been through your first migration, once you've been through your first badge of importing users into the cloud, um, and you can even do things similar. Say you're a Citrix guy or a VMware guy or gal. I, I love, I want to see more women in tech. We'll, we'll talk about that one next. I really want to see yeah, that. Absolutely. Uh, but the other thing is, say you're a VDI person. Why not look at Azure Virtual Desktop? There's a certification just for that. AVD is easy to scale. It's easy to have failover. It's fully uh, fault tolerant, disaster recoverable. I mean, look at what dovetails from your current responsibilities into what you like. Who says you're, if you're a help desk manager, why can't you look into something like uh, Microsoft's, um, uh, I forget what the, the Azure uh, Security Center? Start looking at uh, getting alert groups set up to alert people when there's problems in Azure. I mean, and I talk Azure because I'm an Azure guy, but I mean, like I said, I do know all cloud is the same. It's just different brands, different names. For DNS, you've got Azure DNS. For AWS, it's Route 53. They do the exact same thing. They're just branded differently. So once you learn one, the concepts are all the same. Implementation's a little different, but that's it. Hey, we'll get right back into the conversation here in a second, but I want to talk about something crucial. AI is reshaping our business world and the cybersecurity landscape. As AI speeds up our workflows and opens new frontiers, it also brings complex challenges, especially when it comes to cyber threats. These are becoming more sophisticated and the stakes are higher than ever. AI has created a new form of cyber threats and is lowering the bar for novice cyber criminals while increasing the potential pool of threat actors. At the forefront of this battle is Palo Alto Networks. They are using AI to combat these AI-enhanced threats. With their cutting-edge machine learning models, they offer near real-time detection and prevention of cyber threats. From DNS hijacking to securing AI applications from the design phase, Palo Alto Networks is redefining cybersecurity. To accomplish this, they introduced Precision AI powered by Palo Alto Networks, a proprietary artificial intelligence system designed to enhance security operations across multiple dimensions. So if you're intrigued how AI can safeguard your digital space, head over to Palo Alto Networks and discover how Precision AI automates detection, prevention, and remediation with industry-leading accuracy. Okay, now back to the interview. Well, and yeah, I can I can talk to that uh, personally because um, on the networking side. So, um, as I said, I am a Cisco fanboy to the extreme. Um, I went to Cisco Meraki headquarters and um, took special courses from Cisco. Um, I have a, literally, I have a, I don't think I have it behind me anymore, but I have trophies from Cisco from being um, so involved in like their community forums and stuff. And then I went from only knowing Cisco and I landed a job as a working in a knock that doesn't have one piece of Cisco equipment completely Adrian and Juniper 100%. 
But and that was that was a shock for me because I had no experience. I, I didn't know a single command in the CLI, but I was able to do it because at the heart, networking is networking. And you just have to figure out the little differences between the different platforms. Um, so you, it shouldn't scare you. And uh, you can just make a big switch like that. And I, I like that you said help desk because that was my experience. I did two years as an IT support specialist, and I was actually part of a, a G Suite to Office 365 migration. And I learned so much um, because that was that was a tough. None of us on our team, we were a team of three and none of us had any experience doing that. So we were making it up as we went and we learned so many different things during that. And. I was able to put that on my resume and that really did help actually land future jobs, having that migration experience. And that help desk really just helps mold you into, gives you an insight to all the different technologies a lot of times, because sometimes you'll have an idea when you get on the help desk that you want to work in security. And then all of a sudden you'll find out you have a real love for networking or you have a love for the cloud or whatever working that help desk as an entry level position will really give you that experience with all the different technologies out there. The other way that people can really start building experience too, when you're going through the process of training or scaling up, I encourage people to do three things, get your LinkedIn profile up there and updated, create a GitHub profile and create a blog site of some kind. We all know that graphic artists do online portfolios authors do online writing workshops or writing uh, bookshelves they can leave things on. Think of GitHub and think of LinkedIn and think of your blog as your online portfolio. Say you're going through a hard tutorial on AWS or GCP or whatever or Azure, and you really want to demonstrate that you've learned this stuff. Even if you failed in the attempt, document your experience, take some screenshots, write down what you did, having trouble figuring it out, Number one, by actually posting about it, you're going to get people contacting you and saying, hey, you know, we should try it this way. Maybe that'll work. Or two, as you're going through it, you might get a second thought saying, you know, I should have done it this way. And then do a follow-up post showing what you learned. Because like I've had people who, like my friends who were the police officer and the truck driver who are now DevOps guys, they did a ton of blogging once a week for probably six months. So when they went for their first interview, they had their blog on their resume the person who interviewed them had already looked at it and said, you know what? They've done all this stuff. They got practical experience. They may not have a professional job doing DevOps or even IT work, but they've been working through Linux. They've been working through cloud formation. They've been working through PowerShell. They've been working through DevOps, CICD pipelines, typing in YAML code. And as they are creating this blog and doing all this kind of follow-up stuff and also having a permanent GitHub site out there to post things on, your interviewer is going to look and say, this guy is serious. This girl is serious. They know what they're doing. And even if they're not 100%, they're 80% of the way there. And we love the hustle they've got. And nine times out of 10, we all know it's not what you know. It's who you know. So I tell everybody too, use your LinkedIn profile to connect with people. Connect with folks like you and me. I mean, I will accept an invite from almost anybody. Like That's how I got my job with Trace 3, I knew people. I became a free agent, and within 48 hours, I had three verbal offers and two written offers from three different companies. And I, had to, I, 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 and I didn't even put on LinkedIn that I'm looking for work. I just mentioned through friends that I'm a free agent now. And sure enough, and that's why I moved to North, I'm, I'm a Jersey guy originally, man. I'm a, North, I'm a Northeast guy. 
I mean, born in California, raised in Jersey. And the past 10 years, I've been in Louisiana, Maryland, Jersey again, and now in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So I've always chased the work, but I always work in places where there is a good tech sector. I live five minutes in the Research Triangle Park. I'm five minutes from Chapel Hill, University of North Carolina. I'm 10 minutes from Duke University. The longest I've been out, I've been through three buyouts since I've been down here. Uh, and I've been out of work for three days max. So to me, it's it's not just where you live, though. Like you can live in Kentucky. You can live in like I live in Baton Rouge, outside Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Outside Baton Rouge, there is nothing but swamp. It's a great area for a college town. It's a great area for tech. But once you leave, I've got friends who live in northwest Texas. There's not a whole lot out there. But it's who you know, who you connect with. If you see a great trainer or a great YouTuber who you like what they're talking about, feel free to connect. Any trainer, YouTuber, personality worth their salt who really wants to give back will connect with you and will respond. It might take a day or two to get back to you because we're busy, but I'll always respond to you. And I know you do the same thing as well on your Discord channel. Absolutely. You know, I'm not on my discord 100% of the time, but I try to get back to every single person. But I've also what I've done is surrounded myself with people much like you and other people in the field where I might not have the answer. There's a lot of times I don't, but you know what? I've built a community of people who do have the answer and can help respond. And so these discord servers and stuff like that are great. And yeah, every single comment on my YouTube channel, I respond to within a day uh, typically um, because I was once, you know, I've told the story on my channel before. I used to work as a bulldozer operator before I got into tech. I worked manufacturing jobs right before I got into the tech field. I was a bulldozer operator. And then frankly, I was making more as a bulldozer operator than when I started in tech. I was making like 70 grand plus a year, cushy job, nice retirement. But I was bored out of my freaking mind. I, I'm the type of person that is constantly thinking about something and sitting in a cab for 12 hours, pushing a stick back and forward as I push wood chips around. Just, it just didn't cut it for me. And that's really what pushed me to make the change in tech. I took a over $20,000 a year pay cut, but I was pursuing what I loved. I was pursuing the dream. I had to uproot my family. We moved like two and a half hours away uh, to a town that had more tech opportunities. Um, but if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for making that change and finally deciding I want to pursue my dream, I want to be where I am now making well over what I was making three years ago, or, you know, three plus years ago as a bulldozer operator yeah. in a cushy retirement job. Like this is this is a job I, I plan on retiring from. Um, you know, I'm a director of network operations. That's a huge this is my dream yeah. I'm doing, and I'm so excited to do it. You can tell, too, man. You really can. I mean, you, yeah. you can see in your voice. You can I, see it in your face. That's what you're doing, what you love. Yeah. I'm doing what I love. And that's why I'm here on YouTube, because it was a YouTube channel, much like mine, that convinced me I can do this. I can make the switch. And uh, it really gave me the motivation. Mm-hmm. And I want to be that for other people. And yeah. I've had people come back and tell me that um, I, I've helped them land their first job in tech and all that. Um, and that's why I want to continue doing. That's, so, that's kind of why uh, I started I really appreciate doing what you're no, doing. It's kind of why I started doing what I'm doing, too, as far as the YouTube channel, as far as giving back as a trainer. I didn't have anybody. I mean, YouTube didn't exist when I was doing IT. Heck, I barely had a cell phone, I think, three years into my career. You know what I mean? Um, so there was no mentorship. There was no going to look up easily what the answers were. It was all learn on the job and then go out and buy a $100 book, which when you're 20 years old is tough, and trying to figure the stuff out. And if I can give one piece of advice to anybody, 
It's reach out for help. Do not be afraid. I don't care if you are the most timid person in the world. Ask us a question. We will work with you. We will help you out. I want to see you succeed because there's no better feeling than saying, having somebody say, you know what? Hey, I got one the other day from LinkedIn, complete stranger. Hey, if it wasn't for you, Corey, I wouldn't have passed my AZ 104. And that's just a good feeling. We're not getting money from it. We're not doing it. Mean, we, we have our day jobs. If we make a small stream of residual income doing YouTube or side training, you know what? Cool. We're not going to get rich off of that. We're here to do what we do for a day job and help other people do the same thing. I have like my friend who was a cop. He made $60,000 a year, all in with overtime after 15 years on the force. Now he's making 150 a year as a DevOps engineer. Well, I hope you guys are as excited about the cloud as I am and are eager to go out there and start learning different skills. Remember, there is a lot of free training out there, whether it's on YouTube or the different cloud hosting providers even offer some free training. So definitely go out there, do your research and try to find the right training material for you. Now, in the final part of this three-part series, we're talking about skills and tips you can use when interviewing for a position in the cloud. So if you haven't already, Make sure and hit that subscribe button and hit that bell icon so you receive notifications when that video drops next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Bearded IT Dad. We hope you found today's episode helpful and informative. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure to rate and leave a review as it helps more people find the show. If you want more of the Bearded IT Dad, be sure to check out our YouTube channel for additional career tips and IT insights. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platforms for updates on new episodes and exclusive content. Until next time, keep learning.